Yes and Chihuahua dogs. We've been your missionaries for many years to Mexico. They're in Ciudad Juarez. So great to see many familiar faces. Brother Jason, wow. See how big that guy is? I know he, was, he used to be bigger. He just told me his wife put him on a diet, so he's lost a few pounds. But you know what? He came down to Juarez as a fireman, a big guy. I mean, he is pretty big. And he's a champion of volleyball here in Maxwell. I don't know if any of you have ever played him in volleyball. So he comes down to Juarez. I'm about 15 years younger and uh, in shape because we play in 120 degree summertime outside one-to-one volleyball down there. And so he comes and I'm telling you, I'm, I'm moving him from court to court, from side to side, and he just cannot return my serves. And then we come visit up here, and he takes me to the professional uh, uh, volleyball court here in the fire department or something. And he, it is just his hometown. I cannot score one point on him. It's so good to see you. God bless you for standing behind us, for all the souls and lives that have been changed in Ciudad Juarez. But you were with us during the Indian ministries when we were with the Apache Reservation and the, and the Pueblos and the Navajos, and we thank the Lord for you. Some of you are asking, where is my wife? My wife is in Piedras Negras. She is ministering to all the unaccompanied children and all the pregnant pregnant young ladies that are coming up from the border. And uh, they come in busloads. It's not going to end anytime soon. And the thing about it is that they are remaining here I mean, I am a U.S. citizen. I love Mexico and I love the people. But we can't even take care of our own people. It's important that we pay attention to what's going on. Because it affects all our lives. They're not sending them back. They're not curing them of COVID and then sending them back. They're becoming U.S. citizens. And so let's keep an eye on that. I know my wife would have loved to have been here. But one thing that's neat is my wife and I celebrate 46 years this week. 46 years, one woman to one man. Can you imagine kissing a grandma? That's kind of gross. But yeah, you know what? That's the way it is. It's like we've been together for decades. And that's the way it should be. Praise the Lord. We're here on Roundup Sunday. You know, Roundup Sunday is kind of a time where we bring everyone back. Amen? You've been busy out there in vacations. You've been busy in whatever family matters. You've gone to camp. You've been invited to visit family in other places. And now... In the fall, which is beautiful out here, we don't have this in Ciudad Juarez. 
Over there, it just goes from 120 degrees to below zero. Some of the leaves fall off, but they don't turn colors. And so it's kind of beautiful. It's nice out here. But we bring everyone back to say, it's great that you were away, but it's great that you're back. And it's time now to get back to work. Because you know what is, I, and I realize that my wife and I aren't spring chickens anymore. Close to 40 years in ministry and we came in late. But it's time to get back to work. You see, because we're not just here to come listen to good music. We're here to serve the Lord. And First Baptist Church, Maxwell, Nebraska, out here in the sticks, because this is the sticks. Do you realize from where I had to come to get to the sticks? And yet, look at what the Lord has raised. You have a pastor and his wife, and you have a group of people that are called here by the Lord himself, not to just retire here. You know, we're coming to the, to the place where we retire. And people kind of think, well, are you still going to serve the Lord? We serve the Lord as long as we have breath. Some of you look like you're not breathing. We don't ever retire from the Lord. We serve Him for the rest of our lives. And so Roundup Sunday is a time where we come back. And we start again. We start again with those that aren't saved. I tell our people in Juarez, you know, you've been coming to this church for so much time. And yet there are some that are still not saved. Because salvation isn't just coming to church. Salvation is beginning something that you didn't have before. It's beginning a personal relationship with the Lord God. And my question to you today is, do you have that relationship? Here in this portion of scripture, we see actually Paul's testimony. How he came to know the Lord. And we know that Paul wasn't a good guy. I mean, he killed believers. Can you imagine that? You know, I tell our people in Juarez, you know what the church needs today? A good dose of persecution. That's what the church needs today. I'm from the old school. In the old days, we used to call it a kick in the rear. Because some of us have just gotten used to, oh, I'll just do my time. I'll just show my face and no one will know. How I stand with the Lord. But you know what? God calls us. And in this story, which we just read, and we'll just repeat it here a little bit, it says, it says this about the Apostle Paul. It says in verse number, verse number 13 there of Acts 26. Now, I'm a U.S. citizen. I was born and raised here. I went to university in English. 
But after being in Mexico for a while, sometimes I forget words. Sometimes I forget words that change the meaning of things. I don't want anyone to get offended. Sometimes mistakes are made. Kind of like the guy who had a a good friend who had a very successful business. And this business was so successful that they had to move to a new and bigger location. And so the friend thought it'd be a good idea maybe if I just send them some flowers. And so the friend put an order with a florist and and uh, put in a, a little card, a little note there. But there was also a funeral going on in town. And somehow or another, there was a mistake. And of course, the bouquet of flowers that came to the to the guy with the successful business, the card said, may you rest in peace. And the friend thought, man, that's kind of strange. And of course, the other bouquet of flowers went to the funeral parlor, and on the card it said, we hope you enjoy your new location. (laughs) We don't know. And I'm telling you up front, sometimes I was sitting back there, thinking, how do you say this word? I meant to tap this dear brother on the shoulder and ask him, but they were singing during the time. What time do we get out of here? 3.30? This is a Baptist church, right? There's no clocks. I don't see any Kleenex. Where's a Kleenex around here? You know, sometimes people cry. I'm going to ask one of these young guys to go in there and grab me a water, please. A little bit, whether a cup of water or something. I grew up in a Catholic Hispanic home. Maybe went to church once or twice a year. I bet you can't guess what days those were. Christmas and Easter. One thing that we grew up eating is this delicious dish called menudo. Menudo is tripe, the cow's stomach. If you've never eaten menudo... It's a strange dish. Jason, have you ever had a bowl of menudo? I got to break you into that, brother. <laughs> menudo, when you cook it naturally, smells terrible. I mean, your house smells like someone is dead and has been dead for a while. So my mother was from the old school. She would put the menudo to cook because it's got to boil for many hours and she would go to sleep. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. And because she was that old-time woman, she would get up at the right time, and it would be perfectly ready. One time, she didn't get up. And the whole house was full of smoke. I grew up in a family of ten kids. Two of them passed away, but ten remained. Burnt menudo is much more terrible than regular cooked menudo. Anyone have a pot of menudo they have to rush home to this day? I hope you don't. Here in Acts, we see the story, the testimony of the Apostle Paul. It's time to come back. And it says this in verse number 
Verse number 13, at midday, O king, Acts 26, I saw in the way of a light from heaven, above the brightness of the sun shining round about me, and them which journeyed with me, and when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me, saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for me to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. You know, there's a couple of things here that I, that I see that kind of relates to our roundup day. God knows that we've been away. God knows that not only physically have we been away, some of us have been away spiritually. And our heart is cold. That's why we have Roundup Sunday. It's, say, it's saying, come on back. Come on back. The only thing is that our, we have them in Juarez, but our days are filled but nothing with Mexican food. Nothing but everything that you could imagine is in that buffet. And you know something that I notice in this story is God is interested in a couple of things. First of all, God is interested and has always been interested in stopping us. He is interested in stopping us for salvation. Some of us don't want to be stopped. I have people that I have witnessed to and talked to and what is for years. And you know what? They do, they do not want to be stopped. I'm going to tell you, I didn't want to be stopped. Catholic, Hispanic background? I would say I'm Catholic. I would go like this. I'm Catholic. Whoa! Like the force. I am Catholic. And all of a sudden, people would back off. I didn't want to be stopped. I was a musician. I played in the nightclubs. I did everything that went along with that. Praise the Lord, we use the music to teach the, the, the young people and what is now. I didn't want to be stopped. But someone gave me this track. Man, I left it in some, I think I left it in my suitcase. It's a track called This Was Your Life. A chick publications track. And I remember taking that and I read through that. And I didn't know what I, the, the name and those numbers after the chapter. I had no idea what that was. But the Lord, even though I wasn't saved at that time, the Lord guided me to find each one of those scriptures. And you know what it did? God trying to stop me? It scared the living daylights out of me. Because in the end of that track, the person stands before the great white throne judgment. And I remember I became more religious. Started going to the mass more often. I took my wife and the kids that we had at that time. But I didn't know the Lord. I was as lost as could be. I remember I bought a brand new crucifix. And took it to the priest to have him bless it. This is how ignorant I was. And the person that gave me that track was my nephew. He continued to minister to me, even though I didn't want to. At that time, Central Baptist Church, Pomona, California, was having a passion play. 
2,500-seat auditorium. Pastor Ray Batum, the pastor at that time. And I remember we came to that auditorium, me and my wife, and we sat way at the back, right next to the exit door. Because we knew as soon as this thing was over, we were out. 150 actors, full choir, full orchestra. And we sat back there and I'm just ready to go out that door. But God had other plans. The lights went out and before my eyes, the presentation of Christ, his life, the way he loved the people, the way he ministered, the way he he put mud on that blind man's eyes and told him to go wash in a certain place and then received his sight. The hatred of the religious people in those days. I saw this in that gigantic platform and it just caught me. I didn't once think about going out that door. And when the lights came out afterwards, the pastor got up there and he said, do you want to be saved? He said, would you come? Would you come? And I got up and my wife got up and a godly deacon and his wife led us to Christ on that good Friday, 1979. Catholics can get saved, amen? And now we've been serving the Lord, (laughs) praise the Lord. God wants to stop us in our salvation. Some of you are still not saved. Some of you just come with your parents. But you know nothing of a relationship with God. These people were thrown to the ground. Doesn't say they fell off a horse. But God caught their attention. God stopped them. Can you imagine just walking along and all of a sudden a light appears and you're thrown to the ground? God stopped them. Some people don't want to be stopped. Missionary friend tells me in Africa... The way that they cat, that the way that they hunt for monkeys. No, any Kleenex around? Anyone got a little Kleenex? Thank you, thank you, sweetheart. Thank you. They take a coconut and they empty it. They hollow it out. The water and and whatever they can get in there, and they drill a hole big enough to put a little rubber sleeve. On the other end, they drill a little hole so that they can stick a a cord through. And on the inside of the coconut, they, uh, they pull it out through the big hole and they put a couple of knots so it won't pull through anymore. Well, they stick a couple of peanuts inside that coconut and they put it out there in the open. And they hide behind the bush and that monkey is curious. He goes out there and 
And he sees that and he shakes it and he hears something. And of course, he's looking, how can I get in there? He sees that little rubber sleeve just big enough for his hand to go in there. And once it's in there, he grabs the peanuts. Well, when he grabs the peanuts, it makes his fist this big. Not as big as this, brothers. And he can't pull it out. And he won't let go of the peanuts. There's a lot of people today that have grabbed onto sin and they will not let go of it. And what Satan is doing, it's for your life. He is reeling you in. All they have to do is let go. And Christ will set you free. And that monkey, because he will not let go, is hunted and eaten. Anyone else? Any, anybody ever have a monkey burrito? I tell the people, hey, comen burritos de chango aquí? None of them have ever eaten a monkey burrito. A lot of believers are in this place. Maybe you're saved today. But your heart has gotten a little cold. Maybe through this COVID. Do you realize that for about a year, we were totally separated? During this time, a lot of things can change in your heart. Do you love the Lord the way you loved Him when you first got saved? Do you serve the Lord the way you did when you first got saved. It's Roundup Sunday. It's time to come back. You know why? Because the Lord is coming. Amen. The Lord is coming. And there's not going to be any great signs. The great sign is Israel. Israel is in its place. Nineteen centuries passed by without it. Did you realize that? Nineteen centuries passed by and there was no Israel. And the Jews shall be trodden of the Gentile until the time of the Gentile be fulfilled. God wants to stop us. He wants to stop us in our salvation. Are you saved today? If you're not, you're giving the greatest thing away. The greatest thing and the only thing that you will have when the Lord returns. The Lord wants to stop you. Maybe today you're doing some things that you shouldn't be doing. Maybe you've gotten involved. Maybe you've permitted things that shouldn't be in your life. But not only does he want to stop us, God sends us. Ain't that neat? God has a plan for our life. Look at what it says there in verse number 16. It says, But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister. 
and witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in which I will appear unto thee. Look at verse 17. Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. Verse number 18. To open their eyes. Woo! And to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among the brethren which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Glory. Aren't you glad that God doesn't just save us? He's got a plan for us. You know, I tell this to our people in Wadis and right away they get afraid. They get afraid that they're going to be called to be a pastor. They get afraid they're going to be called to be a preacher's wife. They get afraid that they're going to be sent to, to Africa and the jungles. You know, I don't do jungles. I've got to admit, for 10 years, I said, Lord, I'll stay in our home church and I'll minister here. And I taught Sunday school, but I don't want to go anywhere, Lord. I'm afraid of animals. I couldn't have imagined I couldn't have imagined uh, being sent to the jungles and a monkey jump on my back. I wouldn't know what to do. As it is in Juarez, I don't do animals. We have mice and rats and scorpions and rattlesnakes and these centipedes that are fast and thick. You think I deal with mice? I'm, I'm like the women who would jump on the chair. So I went to Home Depot and I bought those little white houses. You put a little peanut butter in there, the door opens, and then the mouse goes in there and the door shuts. The only thing is, the tail is sticking out. I'm afraid of them. You wouldn't ever catch me doing the regular trap where it catches them by the snout and they're there flipping and flopping, caught by the snout? Are you out of your mind? I grew up in a family of 10 kids. My mother was afraid of animals. I'm afraid. No, but I'll help you, brother. I'll help you get used to it. I want to get used to it. Almost going towards 70. I don't want to get used to it. But a monkey? Man, Lord, I don't know what you have planned in my retirement, Lord. I'll go wherever you want. But Lord, let there be regular animals like dogs and cats. Not anything else, Lord. He sends us. He's got a plan for you. Now don't be afraid and leave the church. You know what God may be calling you to is to be the godliest father that you that this church has ever seen. A godly father to your children, a godly example to all the others. We need people to stay in the church. Amen. And you don't all have to be pastor or the music leader or the piano player. You can be a steadfast pillar in this church. That's your calling. Glory to God. It's just as important as mine being in Juarez. 
But people are afraid. God has a purpose for everything. There's these people climbing this face of this rock mountain and then coming down on the other side through some paths that they had made. And during one of the groups, one group would go up at a time as they're climbing up to the top. One of the rope, because they're tied with ropes to each other, one of the ropes kind of flung in front of her face and it made one of her uh, uh, contact lenses fall out. And so she's with one contact lens climbing this face of this mount of this rock. And when they get up there, they realize, man, she's going to need help coming down and everything. And as they were coming down, so the other group was saying, did anyone lose a contact lens? Because there's this ant that's carrying a contact lens. Who told that ant to carry the contact lens? God has a purpose for everything. You know how much that contact lens compared to the weight of that ant? But you know the difference between that ant and man? That ant obeys. That ant obeys. See, God has a purpose for you here. Don't ever think that you're, God's without a plan. God has a plan for you. He needs you. It's Roundup Sunday. It's time to get back. Time to get back to nursery workers. Amen? Praise the Lord. I love nursery workers. If you don't want to work here, come down to Juarez. I'll put you to work that same Sunday. Man, t- changing diapers. And all that stuff. I mean, we had seven kids, but our baby is 40 years old this year. I don't want to go there. Some of you are called there. Amen? Amen, preacher! Some of you are called there. God has given you that grace to get back in that nursery. Teaching a class, maybe children's class, maybe teenagers. It takes a certain grace. This is where God calls us. He doesn't just have a purpose for us to be saved and then wait around till the rapture comes. We're working. We're soldiers. We're preparing for eternity. Maybe it's time for you to take that place in the, in the, as a Sunday school class. Teaching juniors. Boy, juniors can't stay still. They got ants in the pants and they want to do the hula dance. You know, teenagers, that group, oh, I ministered to them for many years. They look at you and they're there seriously to be with a rock face. They never laugh at your jokes. I mean, it's terrible. Some of you are called, man, to fix things around here. Amen. The music people, hey, if you're going to run the music system, learn it the best you can. If it means going to classes or whatever, that way, whatever comes here, hey, you're in charge and this is the way you do it. Maybe you're a mechanic. You can fix pastor's car. Now, if you can fix it, fix it. If you can't, don't touch it. 
Maybe you're a welder. Maybe you can, you see something. Here's something that I tell our people. You see something broken? Fix it! Don't wait until I fix it. I'm an old guy. You're a young buck. Fix it! God has given you that talent to fix it or paint something. Fix the fence out there. And I haven't seen any fence or anything. A glass is broken. Replace it. God gives us things. God just wants you to be real. Kind of like the guy who was looking for a job and the only job that was available was a job of a gorilla in a zoo. The zoo's gorilla had died. And this guy needed a job bad. And so he said, if you, they told him, if you put on the costume, get in the cage and act like a gorilla, you can have the job. Boom! He put on the costume. There was a lot of people visiting the zoo. He got out there and, man, just started jumping around like a gorilla. How did they jump? Somehow or another, he catapulted into another cage. In that other cage was a 500-pound Siberian tiger. And the gorilla looks at this tiger and in his costume he's saying, See it. Sorry, Pastor. It's okay. It still works. One time I was, I had finished preaching, and I, the, this part was in my coat pocket, and I took off my coat. This was when I was a young preacher, and I flung my coat, and there went the $400 microphone. Pastor did not smile. This wasn't the first year. Not only does he send us, he stretches us. You know, you're no good until you're stretched. You're just no good. Look at verse number 20. Look at what it says there. But show first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem throughout all the coasts of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do the works meet for repentance. For these causes the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Paul is, an, is a popular Pharisee. He is known everywhere. He is educated. He is rich. People like him. And now, look at what God is doing. 
God is stretching him a little bit. You know what God's going to do in your life? He's not going to let you stay the same. He's going to stretch you. That's why don't be surprised if pastor comes to you and says, I need you to do this. It's God trying to stretch our Christian life. Maybe pastor's going to call you in the morning at 3 o'clock in the morning to do a hospital visit with him. It isn't pastor. It's God working through your pastor to help you grow. Stretches. I usually have this big, thick rubber band that I stretch. Right here, there's no strength right here. When I hold a rubber band in my hands... But you start pulling on that rubber band. All of a sudden, that rubber band reveals its strength that we have in Christ. Out here, I mean, I'm over here moving my face away so it won't break. But this is Christ showing his strength through us. He stretches us. He strengthens us. Look at what it says there. Verse number 22. In verse number 22 it says, Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue on to this day, witnessing both to small and great, uh, saying none other things that those which the prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead. You know what God does? He doesn't just stretch us. He's there to help us. He strengthens us. People ask me, aren't you afraid of being in in Juarez with all these, the, the violence that we have? We have the cartels. There's three cartels that we deal with in Juarez. And they fight amongst each other. And I mean in our neighborhoods right there. Just a week and a half ago, a 13-year-old girl, because her, her older brothers were involved with a cartel. And what they do is, they see all this money that they collect from drugs, and they start spending it, thinking they're going to replace it. And then when the cartel says it's time to pay, they don't have it. So what do they do? They took that 13-year-old and just shot her in the head. This is how the cartel works. You talk about being stretched. You talk about needing help. And yet many of them still won't come to Christ. The Lord is there to help us. We've got work to do. Let me say something. Something about work because it's important. This is why we round up. Because it's time to work. Amen. Amen, preacher. Good preaching. This guy got hurt working. So he put a claim in with the insurance company. And this is what it says. Dear sir, I am a bricklayer by trade. On the day of the accident, I was working alone on the roof of a new six-story building. When I completed my work, I discovered that I had about 500 pounds of brick left over. Rather than carry the bricks down by hand, I decided to lower them in a barrel using a pulley, which unfortunately was attached to the side of the building at the sixth floor. Securing the rope at ground level, I went up to the roof, 
swung the barrel out and loaded the brick onto it. Then I went back to the ground and untied the rope, hoping it, uh, holding it tight to ensure a slow descent of the 500 pounds of bricks. You will note in block number 11 of the accident report that I weigh 135 pounds. Due to my surprise of being jerked off the ground so suddenly, I lost my presence of mind and forgot to let go of the rope. Needless to say, I proceeded at a rather rapid rate up the side of the building. In the vicinity of the third floor, I met the barrel coming down. This explains the fractured skull, broken collarbones, and broken collarbones slowed only slightly. I continued my rapid ascent until stopping, not stopping until the fingers of my right hand were two knuckles deep into the pulley. Fortunately, by this time I had regained my presence of mind and was able to hold on tightly to the rope in spite of my pain. At approximately the same time, however, the barrel of bricks hit the ground and the bottom broke out of the barrel. Devoid of the weight of the bricks, the barrel now weighed about 50 pounds. I refer you again to my weight in the accident report, block 11. As you might imagine, I began a rapid descent down the side of the building in the vicinity of the third floor. I met the barrel coming up. This accounts for the two fractured ankles and lacerations of my legs and lower body. The encounter with the barrel slowed me enough to lessen my injuries. When I fell on the pile of bricks, unfortunately only three vertebrae were cracked. I am sorry to report, however, that as I lay there on the bricks in pain, unable to stand, and watching the empty barrel six stories above me, I again lost my presence of mind and let go of the rope. What is that for? Don't let your pastor do it alone. There's work to be done in ministry. You want to get him hurt? Let him work the ministry by himself. God has called us. God has stopped us or wanting to stop us. But he sent us. He's given us purpose. Just like that little ant. God is there to give us the strength. God is there to stretch us. And he will stretch us. I tell the people, people are asking me, and what is, what are you going to do when I retire? Well, I know one thing. I'm going to serve the Lord in a local church. And I'm going to probably be the right-hand man of that pastor there. He doesn't know it yet. But I will probably be the one at his office every morning with a cup of Starbucks that he likes. And I will be the one that makes that three o'clock in the morning visit to the hospital or whatever he may need me to be. It's just I will not be in responsibility over a ministry. And then the last thing. This is Roundup Sunday. He satisfies us. 
He satisfies us. Look at what it says in verse number 19. In verse number 19 it says, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. And as you read through the life of Paul, you see all the things that he says, even while he's in jail. Do you know when he writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy, he's locked up for the last time. And he says this, For I am now ready to be offered, and my time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me at that day, and not to me only, but unto them that love his appearing. You know, there's something to be said about being satisfied. If we're not stopped, I'll guarantee you, there will be no satisfaction. If you don't let God send you, and it probably isn't where you're thinking he's going to send you. If you don't let him send you, there will be no satisfaction. Because through it all, God is really wanting to do everything through you. That's why he will stretch you. That's why he's there to strengthen you. The Bible says, he that hath the Son hath life. So family, many years ago, I close with this. Very wealthy family. But they didn't live like they were wealthy. They lived in a regular farm amongst other farmers. Shortly after, the, the mother died. And the father took the son and raised him for the next 15 years or so. During this time, he taught him to be a lover of art. And because they were wealthy, he purchased and had on his walls the Picassos and all those famous paintings. I can't even, uh, Rembrandts or whatever they're called. War came to the country. And the son went to fight for his country. About a year into the war, a notice came to his door and said, Your son had been killed. Father was very saddened by that. And the next several months passed and now it was close to Christmas. A knock at the door came one dark evening when he had basically all the lights off in his house. And when he opened the door, a young man in a uniform stood there with a square thing. He didn't know what it was at first, but he said, I knew your son. We fought together. And he came in and he explained to him how he was a beginning artist. 
And now he had painted a portrait of his son's face. And so he came in and, and he gave it to the father and the father opened it and you could tell that it was not professional, but it was similar to his, the shape of his son's face. And his father just loved it so much that he took that important picture over the fireplace off. And he put this little square of the portrait of his son. A year and a half passed by, and the father died. News went out to all the art collectors all over the world for the paintings that this man had purchased. And they gathered at his farm from far and near to have this auction. And everyone was excited. Not only were these people there, but the media was there. And the auctioneer stepped to the platform and he said, holding the picture of the sun. He said, who will give me a hundred dollars? And everyone cried out, no, no, we don't want that. We want the, the real things, the things that are worth value. And he says, anyone, anyone give me a hundred dollars. Who'd bid? On the picture of his son. And one of the neighbors of that farmer was sitting in the front seat. And he yelled out to the auctioneer. He said, you know what? I don't have a lot of money, but because I knew him, I'll give you $20. And the auctioneer took the bid. And he says, I got $20. Anyone say 40 Anyone say 40 $20 going once, $20 going twice. Well, this ain't solid. Sold $20. And then the auctioneer said this strange thing. According to the Father's instructions, the auction is now over. And according to the Father's instructions, he said, he that gets the Son gets it all. And everyone, just as furious as could be, left the premises. He that gets the Son gets it all. He that hath the Son hath life. Today we're here for Roundup Sunday. I don't know if you have the Son. God wants you to be saved. Secondly, God has a plan for you. You're not here by mistake. We serve a sovereign God. 
God has a plan for your life until we stop breathing. And in that plan, God is going to manifest himself and stretch you. Don't be afraid of being stretched, whatever it may be. And the last thing, God is going to be your help and strengthen you during this time. You don't need to worry what he calls you to, where he calls you to. He has promised that he will be with us. And it will be him that is doing everything through us. And then lastly, all this, so that one day, when it's time to go home, you can look at your life and say, I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied because I did what God wanted me to do. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for this testimony of this great servant, Lord. Let us take, Father, let us take those things that we need to know. Those things that we need to apply to our life, Father. Let us do whatever you would have us to do. As we all stand to our feet, I never preach in a church without giving an invitation. Let's sing that song, It Is Well With My Soul. Do you know it? It is well. Today, it is well with your soul, or it is not. One, It can't be both. It is well with your soul, or it is not. If it is not, you can make your way to an old-fashioned altar. Someone will pray with you. Someone will help you. Even if your soul is right today, you can still make your way to an old-fashioned altar and say, thank you, Lord. Help me. Help me. As the piano plays, as we sing, you know the word.